Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by Greg Brooks of Rocket Station Virtual Staffing. As you will hear, Rocket Station is an outsourcing firm specializing in one relatively narrow vertical. They focus on real estate in the US. Uh, the sector is relatively broad within real estate, but they do real estate investment, real estate development, uh, real estate brokerage, and you know all of that sort of angle. It's a really interesting conversation with Greg because I'm always fascinated by these offshore verticals that really focus um, very tightly on one specific sector and go really deep. Uh, Greg is one of three partners at the firm and he is also the national director of business development. So he knows all about the industry, all about the firm and he can also sell it. So it's a really good conversation with Greg. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over three thousand outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over five million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Greg Brooks, welcome to the show. Tell us about Rocket Station. Yeah, Derek, thanks so much for having us. So uh, Rocket Station, we're based in Dallas, Texas. We've got over 2,200 employees based in the Philippines. And, and really what we help is real estate professionals. So investors, property managers, your traditional agents or brokerage owners, um, staff up their teams and really leverage you know, this incredible resource that is offshore labor. So we help our clients both find really incredible talent overseas. But then we also help the entrepreneur themselves kind of document their systems and processes so that we can set that future virtual hire up for success. And you focus, you know, very specifically and completely on the property market, whether it's uh, property investment, what, what sort of, and why did you, I suppose you were scratching your own itch when you started this company in that regard. Why did you settle into the property niche? 
Yeah, no, great, great question. So we, uh, myself, as well as my two other partners, um, Rob, who's our active CEO right now, he, um, he was a real estate investor himself. And I've heard this mentioned kind of in listening to your podcast, right? Everybody gets kind of initially exposed to this world of virtual assistance through the four hour work week. Um, and kind of coming out of the market reset here in the US back in 2008, um, Rob was a local real estate investor here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And very much went, you know, felt the pressures of, you know, the recession and laying off, you know, a team that he had built, you know, of, of upwards of 80 local employees and, you know, kind of got exposed to the, you know, the outsourcing or the virtual assistant space. And this whole business was very much born off of him, you know, leveraging VAs for his Dallas-based investment company. And then here in the U.S., the the, the investor world, it's very networky. It's very you know, a lot of masterminds and think tanks. Um, it's a very small, close-knit community on the real estate investing side. And, you know, people started to kind of take notice. It's like, hey, I you know, was talking to your EA yesterday. She was awesome. Or, you know, one of your acquisitions people called me and they sounded incredible. Like, where'd you find them? And it's like, oh, they're based in, you know, Luzon or they're, <laughs> they're based in Manila. And people started to say, wait, you're leveraging people you know, outside the U.S., like, how are you doing this? Show me your playbook. Um, and and where myself, as well as our third partner, Mark, kind of got brought into the fold was, you know, Rob kind of fumbled into this business of, hey, there's clearly a need here in the real estate space for affordable, super, ta super talented, you know, talent that can be leveraged um, to kind of help with the ebbs and flows of, of the crazy market that is real estate here in the U.S., um, and he's like, but, you know, I'm an investor. Can you help me, you know, scale this and build this? And based on our backgrounds, that's where we were able to really take it and kind of, you know, figure out a way to provide an end-to-end -end solution for our clientele to where, you know, we're kind of the one-stop shop from somebody saying, hey, I know I need a VA. How do I do this and see these results? our company fills that void and that gap for, you know, for the real estate, the real estate industry here in the US. I'm always intrigued by specialized verticals. Generally, I focus on the generalist market, you know, and most outsourcing firms offer generalized skills, but there's, there's certainly a place and there's a lot of value in having specialized verticals such as yourself and real estate. Um, but, you know, I do, I do wonder if, if you had, uh, someone in real estate wanting accounting, would you would you do those skills or would you send them somewhere else? Or if you had someone in real estate with a with a friend that owned an accounting firm, would you would you service them or would you sort of send them somewhere else? Like how how flexible are you with the sort of the extremities of your service provision? Definitely. So when we say that we specialize in real estate, we very much, I guess maybe being a little bit different than kind of the generalist outsourcing or BPO companies, we truly mean we cover everything end to end within our box, which is the real estate industry. So take, for example, the investor side, there's a lot of marketing, there's a lot of sales, there's a lot of kind of the transactional piece of it, contract to close processes. There's obviously the, the bookkeeping that comes with running anybody's business. What we do is we recruit kind of the full spectrum of those individuals. And then we're actually up training our virtual assistants or our virtual talent in the Philippines into real estate specifically. So we are very narrow in terms of the industry that we specifically cater to, but in terms of the jobs that we recruit for, that we train for, that we then hire out to our clientele. I mean, we are everything from customer service, 
tenant relations, um, all the way through to the accounting, the bookkeeping, the transaction coordination, the lead gen. So we truly do cover everything end to end in terms of the actual skill sets that our clientele within the real estate industry would need out of their virtual assistant. And there's a growing uh, subsector as well in the real estate industry of uh, real estate brokers. And a lot of them are referred to as REVAs, real estate VAs. Uh, do you deal with that side of the market, like the brokerages? Uh, because that's that's a huge industry in itself, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And especially with just kind of the rise in, you know, property values and, and over the last couple of years through COVID, I mean, obviously, you know, the agent and broker side, which we refer to as the retail side, both on the residential, you know, which is, you know, an agent or a brokerage that represents individuals buying homes, as well as on the commercial side, right? So office space, um, you know, condos, that type of thing, um, self-storage buildings. Yeah, we, we work with a lot of them. And, and a lot of what we do there specifically is on that, you know, the lead generation, kind of the internal sales agent, as well as the marketing side. Because for a lot of them, they're using these established platforms like Zillow, Redfin, um, you know, the, the, the MLS, and they're paying a lot of money to bring in these leads and attract new clientele. Well, you know, who's following up with them? Is it the agent that's also got six showings that day um, or is, you know, kind of working from their car, you know, the, the windshield time. So we, we really allow them the opportunity to convert on more leads and make it easier for their agents who are in market, who are, you know, maintaining relationships and showing people houses every single day to focus solely on that client relationship. Because, you know, at the end of the day, buying a house is for most people in the world the biggest expenditure that they're ever going to take on. And that needs to be a very personalized experience. But meanwhile, all the, you know, all the paperwork, the contracts, the scheduling is all offset and taken care of by their virtual team member. And how do you find the penetration of outsourcing now within real estate? Are, are most people aware of, you know, this kind of Philippine opportunity? How many, what, sort of penetration are most people trying it now or just a tiny fraction how do you see the general awareness and uptake i think the thing and, and keep in mind so i joined the team here about four and a half years ago and prior to this my experience with outsourced staffing um, i used to work for one of the largest consumer packaged goods companies in the u.s and we outsourced our it so anytime my computer broke down, it was a group in India and it was a very frustrating experience, you know, just like a lot of people who kind of have that initial, whether as a consumer or working for a large company, um, you know, those typical kind of, you know, you know, typical experiences when it comes to like why they don't want to use outsourcing is because they've had this experience at a big company or with a big company. So, so keep in mind, I came into this as, you know, learning this industry kind of on the fly and it's incredible, especially within the real estate industry, you know, you, you rewind four years ago and it was, you know, it's all the typical questions that a lot of us in this industry here, it's, well, you know, they're in the Philippines. Do they speak English? Well, how am I going to like share paperwork with them? Well, mm -hmm. how can I get them plugged into my CRM? And it was a lot of those very surface level conversations around just like, who is this person? Like, I don't know anything about this foreign land called the Philippines and like, how can I leverage them? And it's amazing, you know, fast forwarding four years, coming through COVID, coming through an industry that was really squeezed in the beginning, both from like the economies of scale, meaning there was tons of opportunity in the real estate industry, whether you were an investor, whether you were on the retail side of the industry, 
whether you were a property manager to grow and scale your business because there was so much more money pouring into the, re- the, the, the real estate space that now when we're at conferences and when we're, you know, even on our, on my team's daily sales calls, it's more like, okay, what can you do for me to prepare me to bring on a VA rather than those very surface level questions of like, like I said, do they speak English or how can mm-hmm. I connect them with our software and our CRM? So it's been incredible to see. And I feel like this is probably common with a lot of industries, you know, whether it's the labor market being super tight, whether it's, you know, inflation in various parts of the country that are, that are causing salaries to kind of grow and double. Um, it, it, it's amazing how quickly the industry realized, okay, the world is a lot smaller, right? We're a very globalized workforce at this point, and there's tons of value in this resource. And now, and, and kind of how our, our our service is delivered, it's more about how do I do this? Like, I know this is a viable option, especially when you talk about whether you're selling real estate, whether you're managing properties in real estate. Like, it's a it's a very thin margin game. So it's more people looking at their bottom line saying, I know I have a lot of these kind of day-to-day, very task-based, repetitive roles. How, how can I like save some money? Like, how can I find that? And that's usually their initial step in there. And then they start to realize the true power and how talented these team members are overseas. And it becomes, well, what else can they do? Um, and, and how are our, our company- Yeah, it's is- an interesting tipping point, isn't it? When it, it becomes normalized for people just to use offshore staff, it-, it uh, it's a fascinating tipping point where people are like, of course, I'm going to hire someone in the yeah. Philippines instead of, you know, is this possible and how does it work and how is it safe and secure? Uh, and um, I see the the real estate sector as being relatively a, a fast adopter. And I'm not sure if that's because a lot of the sort of real estate brokers and a lot of the real estate investors, a lot of them are sort of small or micro businesses and so fundamentally they're quite entrepreneurial themselves they're quite resourceful themselves um but the downside of that is is that in bad times they can be a little bit volatile do you do you see a lot of volatility in terms of brokers that are only just getting by that kind of have a va while times are good but then as soon as the next month when they don't sell a property they're wanting to ditch the staff sort of thing no, great question. So, I, and I think we've seen a maturation in terms of even that thought process. So our business, like we do a lot with the brokerage retail side, we do probably three times the amount of volume um, and, and number of staff placements with the investor side, which it can be very lifestyle businessy, right? Where you're flipping houses, mm-hmm. buying property as a, hey, I just don't want to work my nine to five and I want to kind of own my own time. Or, I mean, we work with some of the largest institutional investors. Um, I mean, there's, there's some stats that came out that, you know, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, they're looking at as much as three to 5% of their, um, their investments in the next 10 years going into single family real estate. So buying houses to manage, to have managed and, um, and rent out to, to people. So what we have seen, so, I mean, and I've kind of had two very serious inflection points when COVID hits and the world locks down. Yes, we saw a lot of people that, you know, it's viewed as some people view us as VAs as a marketing expense. It's viewed as, hey, I've got a team of five in my office and it's easier to cut the VAs overseas just because I have to see these people every day. But then coming out of that and then utilizing VAs as a tool to scale and grow their businesses through COVID and then coming into, you know, depending on where you are in the world, 
you know, a, a recession, a, a blip, a drop, whatever you want to call what we've gone through over the last three to six months, we've seen a lot of people that their VAs have become their most valuable asset. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes down to that globalization and that kind of eye-opening experience of these aren't just like task operators. They're not just people who take on the stuff I don't want to do. They're integral parts of our team, right? They're on our meetings. They're, you know, driving KPIs. They're driving metrics. They're driving mm -hmm. return for our business. And, you know, just candidly at the price point that they're at, like they are maybe even more valuable than some of, you know, some of our team members here who aren't performing as highly. So it's been very interesting to see how, you know, just with the globalization, with the normalization of things like Zoom and Slack and all these platforms that we all live on now, how much are their virtual team members have just really become integral parts of their team that especially during dips, I mean, they, they don't want to get rid of them just because they truly do help them. You and know, that's critical, isn't it? It's, it's about making them core members of the team and working shoulder to shoulder and also then having the capabilities uh, that justify that. And, you know, just, and this is where I have a bit of a bugbear in terms of calling them VAs and assistants, because if you hire an assistant, then they're only ever going to be an assistant. Whereas if you hire an operations manager or a marketing manager, then you expect them to perform at that level. But so it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? When people do see them as, as equals, as professionals, and um, then I think that opens up opportunity for so much more because, you know, there's no reason why the entire business can't be run offshore. Um, and do you, how do you work through that with clients in? Because it's a win-win, isn't it? If, you know, if people sort of have them kicking around on the side and doing odd jobs and then they're the first ones to sort of fall away as soon as there's any, any tension, um, but if they're critical to a business, then as you say, they're going to be the last to let go because they're so productive for the cost base. So how do you, you know, people come in with their sort of pre-conceptions um, of, of what things are like. How do you nudge them towards incorporating them into the, into the core of their activities? Yeah, definitely. And I'm so glad you said that you hate the term virtual assistant because I'm right there with you. That's why, I mean, just taking the name of our company, that was a very intentional move to, to be named Rocket Station Virtual Staffing. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in the US. I mean, you probably know this having worked with, you know, hundreds of Filipinos. The term virtual assistant over here puts them in a box where they're, you know, they're a, they're a calendar manager. They're an inbox manager. It doesn't really show or give credit to the level of professionalism, the education, the work experience that so many of the Filipinos that you and I know and work with every single day like have. So that's why we, we, we always say we call them virtual team members, virtual teammates, because the VA space really does put people into a box they don't need to be in. And, and same thing in, in, in the Philippines, right? The ver that now just with how the market over there has matured. Yes, there are people that are looking for VA jobs as assistants, as admins, but a lot of the people that we're recruiting every single day, um, you know, they're looking for true professional careers. You know, they are expert marketers. They are people with, with 10 years of customer service experience, managing teams, leading teams, um, and, and, and to put them in a, hey, oh, we're a VA company, it's, it doesn't do them justice. So I'm so glad to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. To answer your question, um, I, I feel like a lot of it is just like the fear of the unknown. When you talk about a company a situation, you're doing $3 million in revenue, you maybe have a couple hires locally, but you know that A, you're burning your current team members out. 
doing very low level kind of admin administrative type tasks. Um, but also there's so much potential for you. So how we have structured our business is really entrepreneurial minded first, meaning we understand that as a small to mid-sized business or even a, even a startup business, so many businesses struggle with process. And we've all read the books. We've read the tractions. We've read, read the e-myth, right? Everybody goes through it and says, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had every single role documented and a playbook and an SOP and a checklist around every single task? Like that would give us infinite scale. It would allow us to hire at will and it would empower our employees to know what we want them to do and how we want them to do it. The gap there is, is as entrepreneurs, most of us don't have the time, the resources, or the money to actually invest in the process until we're much further along in our journey. And usually by that time, um, you know, you're hiring people to be able to do that. So the gap that we try to fill for our clients in order to be successful when they dip their toe or jump fully into the outsourcing world is through helping them really kind of navigate the journey that we went on as entrepreneurs and we being me and my partners to help them document their systems and processes, right? Even if you're mm. a startup, there's something that your business innately does, the product, the service, how you deliver it, that there is a process around that. It might not be documented. Most of the time it lives between your ears, but being, at, being able to extract that and get that out and you know, clearly document how that, how that operates, what the steps are, the checklists that surround, Hey, I need a sales, a salesperson. Here's what I need you to do, where you prospect, how you follow up. It's so pivotal, both in being successful with using your virtual team members, but also in terms of you as a business owner, actually being able to hire someone that you're not just going to micromanage or like you, like, like we said, put in the corner and say, oh, you're the VA that handles this thing that I don't want to do anymore. So the, the process mapping piece of our business has really become, you know, really the, the, the anchor to how we help both our clients navigate the outsourcing space, but also set our incredible VAs up for success once they get plugged into the client's business. And how do you go selling that concept and sort of because I see business coaching as kind of separate to staffing and it, it shouldn't necessarily and we can all improve our processes. But a lot of entrepreneurs, as you know, they're kind of in their groove. They kind of have their way of doing things. And a lot of them are not necessarily open to changing systems, changing processes, um, you know, building SOPs. A lot of entrepreneurs would see SOPs as, you know, gosh, like, don't bother me with it, you know, and so how do you, can it sometimes be seen as overstepping and they're just like, dude, I just want the staff, um, you know, and how do you sort of manage that little dance? Yeah, and it definitely is a dance. I mean, we, you know, we do have clientele who just say, hey, I need a VA to, to, handle my lead generation and do 500 outbound calls a week and I need them now and I don't care what they do. We, for our model, we tell those clients like, Hey, we're, we're not that solution for you. So first off, like the difference between documentation and process development versus consulting and coaching, we we're not consultants. We're not coaches. Keep in mind, just from working with, you know, over 1600 clients over the last six years, we have a lot of innate knowledge because we are so refined in the real estate space. 
to help your existing process become more refined, whether that's the technology you integrate, whether that's best practices in the actual process, for example, a maintenance coordination process for a property manager using a specific software or a leasing administrative process. Um, We do have tons and tons and tons of resources and innate knowledge within our process development team to give suggestions in terms of where you can refine. What we don't get into the business of is someone who says, hey, I've never done digital marketing before, Mm. do it for me. What we really look for is we look for business owners who need scale. We look for business owners that have really good team members, have executive staffs who have mid-level management who is getting burnt out where using a virtual assistant can really help them leverage and put a lot of time back in their pocket so that their A and B players can focus on the strategy, focus on the A and B work, and then through our platform, help them document the day-to-day stuff that can be so valuable to hand off to a virtual team member. So what we do, it's really, it's a three-step process. It's an initial discovery to hone in on, okay, what do you think you need? Like, where are the gaps? What are you trying to plug into? The second step, is the in-depth process mapping and discovery. So what that actually looks like is we just start with, hey, show us, tell us, walk us through how you do this job function. It doesn't matter how complex, how simplified, you know, if you have existing documentation or maybe you've tried to do some video recording like is becoming very common in the outsourcing space, like show us what you've got and let us shadow you and walk through what you do. It's it, within the real estate space, and this might not resonate with you, Derek. There's a there's a book by by Gary Keller. He is the the owner of Keller Williams, biggest yeah, brokerage. Yeah, yeah. It's not the yeah. one thing, is it? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, exactly. Where he yeah, just yeah. had someone follow him around for a year. Right. That's what we try to do in micro incre- increments for our clients. Because you're right, right, most entrepreneurs, right? They 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 see the value in processes, right? We've all seen the the McDonald's case studies and all where it's like, yeah, I need to be a process driven business to really scale and not work 90 hours a week in my business. Mm-hmm. But that technical skill set of being able to dive in to the nitty gritty, like they just don't possess it most of the time. So and that's the, the, the one thing. See, this is, you know, and when it gets into process building, it's almost like talking about religion, you know, because like there's, you know, Gino Wickman's um, traction and there's the yep. one thing and people are kind of um, align with certain philosophies i suppose and get things done and um you know uh, the e-myth as you mentioned and the one thing i i read that and i was absolutely mystified and i'm like i've never ever had just one thing that i need to prioritize on and you know if you look at elon musk with tesla like it's like is his one thing to build a steering wheel or is it the brake system or is it the wheels or is it the safety roll cage is it the airbags or is it the the sort of the software inside, you know, and it, and so I don't know. It, it becomes very um, maybe for individual contributors that have one single role to do, they can sort of focus on one thing. But is the reality of business not so much more kind of hectic? I think it definitely is. And I'd say I was listening to to one of your previous podcasts. Um, talking about just like, what's the best way to hand work off to either an outsourcing agency or a virtual team member. And he talked about, you know, pick, pick the five things, the five, we, we call them the immediate fires that are burning, pick those five things. Well, we take that the next to the next step. Um, a lot of the times I'm working with, and my sales team is working with, you know, a, a senior member of the team. And, and like you said, it's hectic. There's, 
you know, 20 different direct reports. There's 70,000 different processes that are going on. There's a lot. So what we help our clients do is figure out, okay, what are those five or 10 immediate action items that would be very impactful to free up so-and-so's time or for you to become better at, for you to become, have industry best practice around your customer service or your sales, whatever the case may be. And then we, we actively tell our clients like, Hey, we don't necessarily always want to talk to the VP or to a senior official. Like what we want to do is talk to the operations manager or the director, someone who's actually still doing the work. And we give them, we call it the bridge. We give them that resource to help start parsing out step-by-step those individual tasks and roles and responsibilities that cause all of that chaos for the executive. You know what I mean? So it's, it's definitely not, you know, Rome's not built in the day to use a terrible cliche. And we don't take that approach with our clients. What we really do during that initial discovery phase is hone in on like, okay, what's going to be the most impactful um, position or role or operational tasks that we can get off of you. And then we hone in on, okay, who's currently doing it? Let's get them on a call. Let's dump their brain and start to parse it out step by step. And, and how we how we deliver this is end to end. So we stay with our clients the entire duration they have their VAs. And part of that is that process support. So as their virtual team members roles expand, as they start to realize, oh, wow, I've got five extra hours this week to actually think about this next issue that I have. Perfect. Can we get on a call and parse through that and work through that process? It's definitely like an evolution where we continue to grow and build on that, you know, that initial five to 10 immediate tasks that they want to unload. The real estate industry is, is, it's a fascinating industry because it's quite heavily regulated as well, isn't it? And um, we've worked with clients in the past that uh, are really trying to challenge the boundaries of that. And a lot of people, you know, to be a real estate agent is regulated. You need to be licensed uh, to be like mortgage brokers, to be uh, financial advisors is all, they're all sort of regulated roles. And you see a lot of nibbling around at the edges. So you get an assistant for these people that do as much work as possible, but they can never do those licensed roles. The, the, where I find it most fascinating is if you can actually get the licensing and uh, get these people qualified. Um, and I understand that you know some of them need to be locally based in order to get that qualification, but it, I see it as fascinating. And it's a lot more difficult to do. So there's, there's kind of high barriers to actually achieving this, but if you do manage to do it, then there's a bigger moat, you know, there's a strategic moat against other entrants to the market. Do you see opportunities like that in in your areas of the real estate market? Uh, you know, can you get sort of fully licensed professionals and practitioners sitting in the Philippines to to almost run the whole show? I mean, yes, most definitely. So how, how we structure that for our clients is we want, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, we want you to treat your virtual team member as a member of your team. So for example, the transaction coordination process, um, a, a licensed real estate assistant or professional, there's courses and there's coursework that they can administer to their virtual team member, just like they would somebody sitting in an office so that they can handle you know, more advanced conversations. And a lot of it on the retail side, which I think is a lot of what you're implying here, has to do with, you know, the ability to negotiate or make offers. Like anytime when it comes to talking about money or on the mortgage side, being able to process and and touch secure information, a lot of that comes with 
heavy state regulations. The real estate industry specifically in the U.S. is very interesting. So on that brokerage side, the retail side, which is you know, agents and brokers that are representing businesses that are trying to acquire property to operate operate in, or you know, the, the, the husband and wife, they're trying to buy their first home. Yes, there's a lot of re regulation. On the real estate investing side, which is where we came up on, it's very deregulated in comparison to other parts of the world. For example, and I don't even think we talked about this earlier, I'm from Canada. The whole real estate investing space, how it is in the US, buying off-market properties or pocket listings or cash offers doesn't even exist in Canada you know, <laughs> where I'm from. Mm. So we see both sides of it where for the real estate investor, a lot of those lifestyle business individuals who, you know, they're making cold calls. They're doing a lot of outbound outreach to, you know, maybe people that have tax liens on their properties or people that are in probate. You know, they got gifted a property that they're never going to live in. All of that here in the U.S. is public record. So a lot of what real estate investing on the single family, as well as a little bit into the multifamily space, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to leverage teams of outsourced team members just because you can train them on your disposition or your acquisition strategy and there is no regulation. And then, like I said, there's the other side of it where because we're an integrated staffing solution, if you are a top forming bro top performing brokerage in the Dallas Fort Worth market where I am, where I'm at, we, you know, we'll help you facilitate and, and, um, administer training and courses for your virtual team members in order for them to handle whatever level of the sales process you want them to. Mm. It is, it's, it's a really advanced market in the U S isn't it? Like I, I did property development in the UK and I would, you know, read some of the books and from the US about some of these processes and flipping and con you know um, assigning contracts and stuff and none of this very small sort of fractions of this was available in the UK there just wasn't the sort of I don't know if it's sophistication or just really the gamification of the systems um, yes. and, and I think that's it a, such a heightened level in the US it's crazy yeah Yes, it's. I mean, it's you know, it's the land of opportunity for good or bad, and it's it's very much more deregulated. But like on the flip side, like leveraging outsourced teams. I mean, we we quite literally have clients who utilize their virtual team members as acquisitions people, which in the real estate investing space, that virtual assistant that you're paying ten, twelve, fifteen dollars an hour for, they might bring you in one property that on a contract assignment could net you fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars on that, that contract reassignment. So when you start looking at like the ROI of investing in team members and having dedicated individuals that just look, act and feel and function like a member of your team that's sitting in New York, I mean, it, it becomes so valuable because at the end of the day, like we're just talking about people, right? We're talking about giving opportunity, providing structure and giving them the training to be able to execute the role. So especially in the REI realm of our business, like there's so much value that can be brought through, you know, structuring the experience correctly, just because it's not, you know, because of the deregulation, because it kind of is, you know, the, the wild, wild west, for lack of a better term. And are you still seeing, like, how's the market now? Obviously, in the last three to six to nine months, things are tightening up. Uh, they're trying to curb this inflation. So interest rates are going up. There's a lot more sort of risk off. How, how is the property market performing? And then I suppose by extension, how do you think this might impact your growth? 
No, definitely. So we're seeing a lot of institutional money flowing into the markets now. Obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's the same, you know, in Australia or the UK. I mean, everything got it kind of got priced to a premium, right? So there, there was lack of inventory. There was tons of demand um, during that time. And I would say this is, I mean, this is only eight, nine months ago. I mean, you start, you know, in, inflation starts to creep in, um, the Fed raising interest rates. You start to see VAs really become a tool and virtual team members become a tool for our clientele to maintain. Um, we're fortunate to where we're positioned. Um, and it's, it sounds like you, maybe you've read some of the books, like there's a lot of, you know, on the real estate investor side, a lot of individuals that, you know, they go and take a class or a course or a, watch a couple of YouTube videos and they go try to, to flip some contracts and invest in real estate. That's not who our avatar is. So we're fortunate in the fact that we work with, for, for the most part, clientele who see a market reset as a huge opportunity to expand and grow and explore just, uh, you know, other disposition strategies and really expand their portfolio. Whereas a lot of people who, you know, you know, kind of live month to month off of how many houses they can flip or how many contracts they can assign, holding back and kind of holding all their pennies, um, you know, close, close to the heart. So we've been very fortunate where we see a lot of our clients um, either maintaining their teams or even increasing it because they're pinpointing some of these markets that maybe you know, maybe there was, it was a little bit overpriced and now the market's starting to reset. Um, or maybe, you know, the memorandums that happened during COVID, um, you know, because of evictions and, and all, all that stuff, or maybe there's going to be some, some more inventory opening up and they're starting to fuel up their teams and add team members so that they can, you know, very quickly through iBuying strategies or virtual buying strategies, move outside of just their local market and go start buying across states or across different geographic regions in order to expand their portfolios. It's fascinating. And do you think that there will be distress in the market over the next one to two years? I mean, this is sort of just a side note, but, you know, a lot of like, you know, property investors, developers, like they, they generally would take on maximum leverage. And, you know, when we've had sort of 10 to 20 years of almost zero rate interest rates and high leverage opportunities, is that going to turn around now and kind of kick some people in the bum? I mean, I think it will. I mean, market resets, right? You, you have to have your, your business position well, especially in real estate, you know, to be able to weather the storm. I mean, I think what we're seeing is there's just such a housing deficit here, mm. um, you know, in, in the U.S. that yes, interest rates are six and a half, six, seven, seven points in some places, but there is still such a deficit that the demand is only going to grow, right? So a market reset like we're you know seeing now, and I'm definitely not an economist, not trying to go down that road, but a lot of people are seeing it as an opportunity because it's bringing those markets that because of whatever the case was, you lived in a major city and all of a sudden now you work on Zoom. So you want to go live out in the woods um, and you were able to do that because your companies now work from home or just you know how overpriced some of these major markets became. They're starting to level set and, and come back to, you know, what would be considered the norm. So, no, I, I foresee just because there is still such a shortage, we're seeing a big uptick in our on the developer side of our business on, you know, the, the commercial, the apartments, the condo building, um, where a lot of these, you know, these guys that used to just flip single family homes are now looking at larger projects. They're looking at, you know, master plan communities. They're looking at townhome developments. They're even looking, you know, fully into apartments and condos just because, you know, recession, you know, it, 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 the middle classes who feels that, well, those people who now 
because the interest rate is four points higher than what they could have got nine months ago, well, all of a sudden they can't afford a $400,000 house. They can only mm-hmm. afford a nine hundred or $225,000 house. Well, they might look to rent. Um, so we're seeing a lot of people change up their strategies and that's where we say we've been lucky and positioned well. Um, and, and a lot of the clients that I work with specifically where they're just, they're kind of just changing their strategy. Hey, I'm not going to be flipping single family homes. Now I'm looking to invest in four or five, six plexes, or I'm looking to invest in condo, um, developments because kind of that's where the market's going, knowing that the common buyer now, you know, their, their pricing and what they can afford has been changed so drastically. So maybe they're going to go and rent for the next two to five years and wait for hopefully the markets, the interest rates, everything to come back to a norm. Yeah, there's opportunity in every market cycle, isn't it? It's, it just yeah. requires you to really adapt for, for the new terrain. Well, Greg, amazing, uh, really great insights. And I'm always fascinating, as I said, you know, with these specialized verticals that really just drill you know, sort of one inch wide and 10 miles deep. I think it's fascinating. And through that intensive kind of attention, you get a lot of really specialized innovation, uh, which is which is great to see around around a certain industry, around a certain role, around a certain function. So it's, it's um, great to have the conversation with you. Greg, of course, if anyone out there is listening, if they're into property, uh, um, you know, and again, sort of, just specify exactly who you work with, but uh, if they want to reach out to you, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, definitely. So anybody within the real estate investment space, property management, asset management, um, the home services, we didn't talk much about that. We work with a lot of like contractors, plumbers, you know, basically the people who upkeep properties, as well as obviously the brokerages, agents, both commercial as well as residential. Um, You can check us out, Discovery dot rocketstation.com if anybody wants to continue the conversation our website is rocketstation.com um so so feel free to to check us out and, and derek i know we talked a little bit earlier i i truly appreciate what you're doing um i mean your company has been kind of pivotal in in, in terms of how we've structured um our strategy and what we're doing so thank you for the podcast for the newsletter say so you guys you guys do some incredible work Thanks, Greg. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting journey, I think, for everyone. And this outsourcing thing is just absolutely exploding or global employment, you know, so it's a, it's a bright future for us all. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. That was Greg Brooks of Rocket Station Virtual Staffing. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want any, if you want to ask us any questions, then send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.